We are continuing on in Psalm 25 this morning. We've been in Psalm 25 for the last couple of weeks, and we are just going to continue right along with it today. Psalm 25, verses 12 through 14. Now, some of you may may not kind of know exactly what the psalm is about, what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We won't go over it uh, in great detail. Uh, if you do want to listen to those sermons, they're available online. You can find them at intotheharvest.church, and there will be a link there. You can listen to them on your computer, on your phone, on your tablet, uh, whatever you want to. So those are always available online if anybody ever needs to catch up on something they missed. But Psalm 25 is a psalm of David. We see uh, David... Uh, Turning to the Lord at the beginning of the psalm, we see that David uh, does not want to be uh, in, living in disgrace. He does not want to, to be uh, overtaken by his enemies. He knows that whatever situations may come in his life, that it is the Lord that he needs to turn to. Last week we talked about uh, the Lord uh, remembering our sins, or, or better put, not remembering our sins. That was the prayer of David. Don't remember uh, all these sins of my past, God. Uh, don't remember what I've done based on me, but God, have compassion on me uh, based on you, dear Lord. Uh, David knew that it was because of God and God alone and only within God's power to forgive him. David knew that he was a sinner and he knew that God was holy. And even though he was undeserving, David his desire was that God would forgive him based on God's own faithful love and not based on David's sinfulness. And that's just kind of an overview of what we've talked about in Psalm 25 over the last couple weeks. Today we will read verse 12 through 14. I'll pray and then we will jump into the text. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. He will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he reveals his covenant to them. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now and we thank you for this text. And this is kind of a, a tough text, dear Lord. It talks about fear. God, we see many times in your word that it says to fear you. We see other times where you tell us, God, not to fear. And so, dear Lord, help us to make heads or tails of, of what it means when your word says to fear, dear Lord. Help us to, to get it today. I pray that you would lead and guide me, dear Lord. I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you would be glorified, God, and that, that you would speak to us today, that your word would be beneficial to us as we hear it. So help us to hear from you today, God. Help our minds to be cleared for these few minutes. Help us to focus on you. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. No fear. That was a, a phrase that was, when I was a teenager, that was, pretty, that was a pretty big deal. I remember seeing lots of, of, of kids a little older than me that were driving, and their cars, that was a big deal. On the back of their <coughs> windows would be a sticker that said, no fear. You'd see people wearing shirts, no fear, no fear. That was a, that was a big deal. And in our culture today, it's not really cool to say that we need to <coughs> fear someone or we need to fear something. We usually say, have no fear, stand in there, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. But God's word here today in this text and in many other tells us that we need to fear the Lord. Now that may be kind of tough, right? Because there are many texts in the Bible where God tells his people or an angel of the Lord tells his people, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. 
We see in the New Testament that it says, perfect love cast out fear. But then we see so many texts in the Old Testament in particular that we'll look at today where God is telling his people to fear him. And how do we make heads or tails of that? Are we to fear? Are we not to fear? What does it mean to fear the Lord and why should we fear the Lord? Well, David understood what it meant to fear the Lord in our text today. When he says, who is the man who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. So David said the one who the Lord is going to show the way that he should choose and what he should do is the one who fears the Lord. Here we see that fear mentioned again in verse 14. The secret counsel of the Lord is those who fear him. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he reveals his covenant to them. So if we want to understand what God desires of us and his secret counsel, as David would call it here, David says that it is for those who fear the Lord. Now, what are we supposed to do with that? Now, in the past, I have had some bad preaching. Some of you say, amen to that. No, I get it. Okay, but, but in particular, let me clarify what I'm talking about. In the past, when I would talk about fearing the Lord, I would always take the edge off of it by saying when the Bible talks about fear, it's talking about a reverent respect for God. And I believe that that is part of it. But, but by saying that, what we do if we, if, we, if we hold to that mindset is we take the edge off of what God's Word is trying to tell us. I would say something like, well, it says fear, but it's not the same kind of fear like we think about when we're fearful of somebody that may do something to us or some situation. It's more of a respect thing. And I think that that's just bad preaching. I don't think that that's what the Bible means when it says fear. I think that when it says fear the Lord, I think it means to fear the Lord. I think that the text intends for there to be an edge there that brings a real legitimate fear into our heart. And some of you are saying, well, wait a minute now. I didn't think we were supposed to fear the Lord. But I think everything starts with fear. See, we live in a world that says no fear, but God says in His Word clearly to fear Him. And fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the text says. In Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Again it says the fear of the Lord and I think we do the text in injustice at least I have. Now maybe y'all hadn't, hadn't misinterpreted the text in the same way that I did but if we hold that, that view that it's just a reverent respect of the Lord we're doing the text in injustice and not getting what we are supposed to get from this text. Now let's think for just a second about who the Lord is. The Lord is a perfect God. The Lord is an all-powerful God. We are talking about a God who we see in Scripture at times strike people dead. We see a Lord who, who allows things to happen, who inflicts injury on different people, who allows plagues to come, who causes these things to take place. We see a mighty and powerful God who punishes people in a mighty way sometimes in the text. And for those of us who have read about the Lord or know about the Lord, that should bring some fear to us to know that God is serious. That God does not play around. When God calls us to something, when God tells us something, 
It's a serious thing. We see God deal harshly with his enemies many times in the text. And he doesn't just kind of sweep it under the rug. He doesn't just give them a slap on the wrist. We see God destroy whole cities. Sodom and Gomorrah. We see all of these references in the text where God does things that should cause fear to come into our hearts and minds if we have ever read about this God who is in the Bible. He is a serious guy. We see God punish his enemies many times in the text, but you know what? We also see God punish his own children who are disobedient. So this idea of, of fear in the Bible is something that as a Christian should get our attention. As the text says, I believe in Hebrews, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. And that should be ever-present in our mind as a Christian. If you are not a Christian here today, if you haven't trusted God, then it should definitely be first and foremost on your mind because I will tell you, you have reason to fear if you have not accepted Jesus Christ. If you read what is going to take place and the judgment and the punishment that will come for those who haven't accepted Jesus Christ, there is much reason to fear. But I've also got news for those of us who are Christians, is that there is reason for us to fear when we are not following and living in obedience to what God calls us to. Here's another verse that talks about fear in the Old Testament, uh, similar to the one that we just read. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Similar to what we read in Proverbs, Psalm 111. All who follow his instructions have good insight, his praise endures forever. So here we have this common theme in the text, especially in this Old Testament verses we're looking at. And that is, is that fear of the Lord is a good thing. Sometimes you hear that. We, we use that phrase sometimes. We'll be talking about somebody and we'll say, boy, he or she is a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman. And when we hear that about someone, we know that they are probably a, a Christian, someone who does the work of the Lord. And so we use that terminology because we understand that it is a good thing to fear the Lord. The Bible says in these two verses we looked at in Proverbs and in Psalm that it is a good thing to fear the Lord, and that is where knowledge really starts. That is where wisdom really begins. As David says, that is where the secret counsel of the Lord really starts is when we fear the Lord. I can tell you this. If we fear the Lord the way that we should fear the Lord, we wouldn't be nearly about as quick to do the sinful things that we shouldn't do. That's how you can gauge whether or not you fear the Lord enough. If you don't fear the Lord very much, you're not going to care about your sinfulness. You're going to keep living in it, and you're not going to be too quick to stop. If you're not too quick to stop your sinfulness and repent, then i got news for you. You probably don't fear the Lord very much. Because when we fear the Lord and think, oh, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to do what God didn't call me to do. I want to make sure that I'm walking on the right path and doing the right things. When we have that mindset and we are fearful of the Lord our God, then we will not be so quick to gossip. We will not be so quick to do whatever it may be to tell a lie. All these things, I won't name off a bunch of sins. You know what it is you struggle with. We all struggle with different things. But when we fear the Lord, we won't be so quick to jump into that sin. Instead, we will 
be quick to stay away from that sin. As Brother Jennings said this morning, there is a line that God clearly gives us of what is right and what is wrong. And sometimes we like to try to straddle that line or get just close enough and say, I can live on the edge without sinning. But we can. And if we don't fear the Lord, then we're going to flirt with that line and we're going to go over that line. But when we do fear the Lord, we're going to take a step back and say, I don't even want to be close to something that's going to cause me to sin. And that is a healthy fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean that the Lord is an evil guy that we are to fear now, I understand that in our, in, in, in our lives, we may have people, I think about children who are being abused or spouses who are being abused, who live in fear of, of, of that person who is abusing them. But let's not confuse that type of fear with fear of the Lord. The, the, the fear is the same, and that is that we are to be afraid of the Lord, in a sense. But it's different in that the fear of the Lord leads to something better in our lives. That real legitimate fear that we should have of the Lord, it should be there to lead us to something better, to lead us to a deeper knowledge, to lead us in instruction and discernment of where God has for us to go. And we're going to see that kind of come full circle here in just a minute. In Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 through 8, it says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. So God goes through and he, he, he says all this to Isaiah. And he says, look, you want to call me out? There are people that want to call me out. God is saying, I have made everything. I have appointed everything. Who can, who can call me out? I am all powerful. And that's part of what drives us to fear the Lord as a Christian is we know who God is. We know He is all-powerful. And he makes this point here to Isaiah, but then he follows it up with this. But then after saying that, he says in verse 8, Fear not. Ain't that something? The Bible says to fear the Lord, and that's the beginning of wisdom. And we fear the Lord and we recognize who God is. And then when we get to God, in His presence, then He comforts us, as He did Isaiah, and He says, Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. So we fear God, and that brings us closer to God. And then when we get to God, and when we get in God's presence, God says, Fear not. I'll read some more uh, examples to you guys from, from uh, the book of Exodus. We see uh, several different things take place in Exodus where it talks about fear. This is some good examples. If you want to read these later, you can mark them down. You may not have time to turn to them, but I'm just going to read through. Listen carefully. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 17, it says, The Hebrew midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. Now let me give you the context of what's going on there. The Pharaoh of Egypt don't like the people of Israel because they are multiplying. He's afraid they're going to become too powerful. So he sets up a law that says all the male children are to be killed. But guess what it says that the wives, or excuse me, the mothers of these children said? They said, no, we're not killing our sons. Why? Because they feared the Lord. 
They feared the Lord more than they feared Pharaoh. They knew that Pharaoh might bring some punishment on them, maybe even kill them if they didn't follow what he said. But they feared the Lord, that is, taking a life that shouldn't be taken, more than they feared Pharaoh. And so there's a good example in the text of fear of the Lord led someone to do the right thing. Sometimes in life we have to make the same distinction. We have to make the same choice. Are we going to fear a person or a situation more than we are going to fear the Lord? Let me tell you what I mean by that. Let me, let me give a good example. Maybe we are tempted to do something and we are with a group of people and we want them to like us and we want to be accepted and they lead us to do something that's not right. Maybe in conversation, uh, we are, they are drawing us into gossip or they are drawing us into saying or doing something that we know we shouldn't do. And we know it's wrong and we do it anyway because we want to fit in. We want to feel right. We want to feel part of the crowd. And when we do that, essentially what we are saying is we fear more what they are going to think of us than we fear what God is going to think of us. And so there are situations in life where we have to make that decision. Am I going to do this because I'm worried about what this person's going to think or this situation's going to be? Or am I not going to do this because I know God says it wrong, says it is wrong? Which do we fear more? People and situations are the Lord. And sometimes in my life, I fear people and situations more than I fear the Lord. And that is not where I want to be. I don't preach to you this morning because I've mastered fear of the Lord. I struggle with it. I, I, I struggle with it. And maybe you struggle with it too. But as Christians, we should fear the Lord. There should be a certain fear there to know that God is a serious God when He says what to do and what not to do. Here's another example from Exodus. A few chapters down, Exodus chapter 9, verse 29. Moses said to him, when I have left the city, I will extend my hands to Yahweh. The thunder will cease and there will no more, excuse me, be no more hail, so that you may know the earth belongs to Yahweh. But as for you and your officials, I know that you still do not fear Yahweh our God. Now, Moses eventually grew up. He was one of those babies that didn't get killed. Moses eventually grew up. He, he, he got to be... Uh, in the house of Pharaoh, he was a pretty big deal. But then eventually he, he left. He came back to deliver his people of Israel. And when he came back, he addressed Pharaoh and said, let God's people go. That's what God wants. And Pharaoh said, I'm not going to do it. And so God proceeded to pour out all of these plagues on the people. It was flies. It was gnats. The blood turned to water. It was hailstorms. It was complete darkness. There were all these things that happened. And finally, God ended up doing a plague that killed the firstborn of everyone in the land, except for those who were covered by the blood of the lamb. And in the process of, of Moses dealing with Pharaoh and going back to him, telling him to let the people go, Moses finishes up this verse by saying, but as for you and your officials, I know that you still do not fear Yahweh our God. Moses knew that Pharaoh and the officials didn't, didn't fear God. Why? Because they hadn't changed their actions. They hadn't changed their attitude. Nothing had changed. They were continuing to do all that they had always done. So he knew that he didn't fear the Lord. Again, that, that verse gives us a good example to gauge our life by. 
Are we like those who are like David who say, look, God, I know how I've sinned, I've been wrong. I, I fear you, dear Lord. Please have mercy on me and show me your way. Or are we like Pharaoh, who God continues to get, try to get our attention and sends warnings and all these things happen in our life? Are we more like David or are we more like Pharaoh where we still do not fear the Lord and we keep on just doing what we want to do? That's tough. Something that, that we as Christians need to think about. It's something that you who may not be a Christian need to think about. Is there a fear of the Lord in our life? Exodus chapter 20 verse 20. Moses responded to the people. It's the people of Israel here. Don't be afraid for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. That's a good verse. So God is allowing some things to happen to the people of Israel, and it is to test them so that they will fear the Lord. Same is true for us. If it was God's desire for his people then to fear him, guess what? It is still God's desire for his people today to fear him. But why? This verse is good because it tells us exactly why. Because Moses says, look, if you fear, fear the Lord, you won't sin. That's why it's good to, and, and healthy as a Christian spiritually, for us to fear the Lord. Because that is going to help us to think twice before we dive into sin. Let's read a little further in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. This is a good verse that goes along with these things. It says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both body, excuse me, both soul and body in hell. Now, this goes back to when we have to make that choice. Who are we going to fear? Those who may be around us to harm us, those who we may be trying to impress, or are we going to fear the Lord? Jesus says, look, I'll tell you who to fear. Don't fear those in this world, whether they accept you, whether they hurt you, whatever they may do to you, they are not the ones to be feared. But Jesus said, Fear the one who can throw your soul and your body into hell. That is, fear the Lord. Again, this all goes together and it all makes sense. It all, in all the texts, both Old and New Testament, it is clear that we are to fear the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. If you've ever read Ecclesiastes, you know that it seems... it. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Uh, Solomon, who I believe wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he's kind of looking at everything that's going on. He's saying, what's the point of anything? Is there a point? We're just going to live. We're going to die. Nobody's going to remember us. What's the point of anything? We're just going through this life, and in the end, it's not going to matter. And then he goes through this whole book. He goes through all of Ecclesiastes, but then at the end of the book, we get it. We understand what really matters. The author of Ecclesiastes understands what really matters, and this is what he says. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is, fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. Now, he goes through and covers all these situations that we experience in life, and at the end of it, he realizes what really matters, and that is to fear the Lord. So when the Bible says to fear the Lord... We don't just want to skim over that. We want to take that seriously. 
Because we see in the text that fear is where everything starts. When we begin to fear the Lord, it should change our whole attitude. It should change everything about us. When we are in the presence of the Lord, it should open our eyes to say, Oh, snap, I am a wretched sinner. That's what David realized. That's what Isaiah realized in Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 5, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. That's pretty intense right there. Isaiah's before the Lord, and his reaction is, Woe! Because he knows that he is a sinner. Isaiah was a prophet of the Lord, as you see if you keep on reading the book. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and live among people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord, of hosts. You see, he feared the Lord because here he was in the presence of God and he realized in that moment that he was in big trouble. You know, one day all of us are going to have to stand before the Lord. And I would imagine that for a moment that is probably going to be a fearful thing for us. When you see in the Bible these angels or the Lord appear to somebody, it is a fearful thing because I don't think we can fathom all of the power and the greatness of the Lord. And here we are as sinners, and one day we will stand before the Lord. And maybe we won't. I may be wrong. Maybe those of us who are in Christ, that fear won't be there. But I think just for a second that we may be just like Isaiah, and we will be before the Lord, and then all of a sudden the Lord will say, You're mine. You're covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. Fear not. We saw in that verse we read earlier that eventually God told that to Isaiah. In the midst of Isaiah's fear at the beginning, that drove Isaiah to do what God's work. When God said, who am I going to send to do my work? Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. See, it was that fear that drove him to do what God called him to do. And as he was doing God's work, later God comes to him and says, look, Isaiah, fear not. You see, fear of the Lord kind of comes full circle for us. It's our fear of the Lord that changes our actions, our attitudes to not live in sinfulness and draw us closer to the Lord. And as we draw closer to the Lord, the Lord says, fear not. It starts with fear, but I would say that if, if, if wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding starts with fear, then I would say that it ends with love. But I think it's a cycle. I think we fear the Lord and that, that changes what we do. We come to the Lord. He says, fear not. We experience the love of the Lord. But that fear and that love cycle just continues on for us as Christians. We continue to fear the Lord and that keeps us on the right track. And God continues to pour out His love. And it's a cycle until we get to the end of life. Well, eventually, when we stand before the Lord, if we are in Christ Jesus, there will be no more fear. The Bible tells us, last verse, 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. You see, fear involves punishment. That's part of our, our fear. We, we know who our Lord is and what He can do. And we know that fear is still here and punishment still, still is here. But we know that the day is coming that when perfect love is going to cast out fear. 
We know that the day is coming that when we stand before the Lord, those of us who are in Jesus Christ, who have experienced the perfect love of His death on the cross and His blood being poured out and covering our sins, when we get to heaven, love will have conquered fear. And there will be no more fear. And David got that. In Psalm 25, David got that. David knew that he was a sinner and that he feared the Lord because he knew who God was. And he knew that by coming to the Lord, that that is what is going to lead him. When he fears the Lord and says, Look, God, please have mercy on me and spare me because of your love and your grace and your mercy. It was a healthy fear of the Lord that David had. And David, he did some rough stuff in his life. David had a reason to fear the Lord. And so do you and I. Because we are sinners. But praise the Lord for Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord that He, he draws us to Him to keep us from that sinfulness that He draws us to Him so that we can experience that love and that we don't have to live in fear. So when the Bible says to fear the Lord, we should fear the Lord. And when the Lord says fear not, we should fear not. Because it is our fear that keeps us in check. It is our fear that leads us to the love that God desires for us to experience. And that love only comes through Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that? Are you living in fear today or are you living in love today? As Christians, we've got to do a little bit of both. As Christians, we live in fear to lead us to love, to live in fear to lead us to love, to live in fear to lead us to love, all the while to draw us closer to the Lord. And that's what David's prayer was, and that's what our prayer should be. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this, this word today, and I pray that you help us to understand when your word says fear, dear Lord. God, we are to, to respect you and to be reverent of you, God, and you are worth, worthy of that. But God, we know that you are all-powerful, so help us to, to think twice, think three times, dear Lord, before we so quickly jump into sin. Help us to fear you in a, in a way that we should, dear Lord, in a healthy way, in a way that we know that it's for our own good, God that we know that your desire is for us not to sin, just like it was for your children, the Israelites, God. It is, it is for us, your children today. So I pray, God, that the one who's here today that does not fear you, that, that they would fear you, dear Lord. Maybe they've never trusted Jesus Christ, but today that fear of you would draw, draw them to you, dear Lord, to know that, that your love and your grace are much greater than your wrath, God, for those who are in Jesus Christ. So I pray that if there's one who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ, that today that they would come to you, Lord Jesus, and experience that love and peace, God. That, that they would come to you in fear, dear Lord, but know that you are there with them to say, fear not. To give them that, that peace and comfort and joy that they, that they need. And God, maybe there are some in here who are yours that are Christians, and we have straddled that line of sin, or even worse, God, we have jumped full force across that line into sin, God, thinking you're a good God and you're just going to sweep that under the rug, dear Lord, but you don't sweep sin under the rug. God, I pray that you forgive my hypocrisy to, to stand here and preach this, dear Lord, knowing that, that there are things that I struggle with. So God, forgive my sinfulness. 
God, be with each one here that you would forgive them, that they would come to you and seek you, dear Lord, that if there are some of us who are living in sin and not, not living in the fear of you that we should, God, that you would open our eyes. Help us to come to you and, and draw closer to you, dear Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.